Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. On this edition of the Cubs Talk podcast, Tim Stevens, our Cubs writer for NBCSportsChicago.com, and I talk about potential move for Nolan Arenado, potential upgrade of the culture in the Cubs clubhouse with new manager David Ross, and we talk a little bit about what was discussed at Cubs convention. Let's play two. Back, 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 back. Way back, it might be, it could be, it is. Holy cow! The fly, he scores! Welcome into another edition of the Cubs Talk Podcast, brought to you by our great corporate partners at Wintrust, home of Cubs Checking. I'm David Kaplan with NBCSportsChicago.com's Tim Stebbins. He's one of our Cubs writers and follows this team as closely as anyone. Okay, Tim, so I was at the Cubs convention over the weekend. We were all out there, and in talking with players and some of the new staff members, and then talking to some of my friends around Major League Baseball, it sounds like... There's going to be a culture shift in the way things are run with David Ross. Are you getting the same vibe? Yeah, at first, the, the buzzword of the offseason was accountability. And when you hear that at first, you're coming from Joe Madden. You think it's just, you know, like Cubs talk. They're saying whatever just to kind of say, yes, this is a change and here's what the change is. But the more I'm getting towards the season, I can kind of sense that. You know, I was talking to Andy Green one-on-one, and he really believes in David Ross. He really believes in the fact that, he can hold players accountable, but it's a little different than how Andy Green would do it. Andy Green said in San Diego, when he came down on people, they felt it, and they didn't feel it in a way that was productive for those players. He said with David Ross, he'll come down on you, but it's a way that is lovable. It's that you feel the love, I want to say, and that the players respond to that. So at first I thought accountability, okay, they're saying it, and the more we get towards the season, I'm kind of starting to believe that now. Yeah, I think that people in that room realized in 2015, 2016, Joe Madden was the right guy. Absolutely, 100%. And he took this band of lovable losers that had gone 108 years, and he accomplished the unthinkable. What many of us thought might be impossible, he turned the trick. But post-2016, I think guys, as one person said to me, we got fat and happy. He said, we, you know, we we're the Cubs. We won the World Series with this young team. It's going to be this way every year, not so much. Yeah, I feel like people before the Cubs ever won a World Series, they always wondered if it were to happen, what would life be like for the Cubs after? And I would say this is probably a worst-case scenario, like the fact that they did get fat and happy. The Cubs have been good the last couple of years, 2017, 18, 19. The wins weren't there, but the talent was there. But there's always been that element of you think they should have been able to do more, and we now kind of have a reason. I mean, it's, the Cubs should have been doing more the last three years. They got to the NLCS against the Dodgers, but they got knocked down five games, granted, to a good Dodgers team. But there's always been that feeling of 
why isn't the why aren't the Cubs winning more? Why aren't they getting to that next stage the last couple of years for me? Yeah, I, I look at what accountability means, and you know, I harped on it last season when Javi Baez watches a ball that doesn't go out of the park or a blooper to left off the bat of Chris Bryant, and he thinks it's going to be caught and walks toward first because he's frustrated because he's a competitor, and the ball drops, and the next guy gets a single or a double that would have scored a run, and it said you don't get that run, and I felt like Joe might privately have talked to them but when it continually happens over and over again, uh, you need to set an example and say, I'm not going to tolerate this nonsense. It's not going to happen on my – if I'm going down, it's not going to be because I didn't do it the way it should be done. And I think that upper management probably saw the same thing prior to last season. Yeah, and those are just little examples that can kind of see why they wanted to change up the culture. Those little things, you know, when it happens in a game, maybe – you know, you obviously want them to run harder. They want you want them to go 100%. You don't make much of it, but it's just kind of a smaller example of the greater issue with the culture and how over time the Cubs clearly, you know, fat and happy. We keep saying something changed there, and these little things, while they didn't seem like a huge deal in the moment, it's it was just a microcosm of what happened to this team since 2016. Yeah, I look at this team now, and they haven't made any moves, and Theo's been very honest that, you know, ownership does not want to pay the luxury taxes here. They want to get back under that, you know, line of demarcation, for lack of a better term, reset because the penalties become so much more punitive, and then they can go back at it next year when John Lester's money falls off the books and some other guys. Uh, do you believe, as we sit here right now today, that there is going to be a major move made before spring training? It's a good question because they did admit a fan at Saturday in the Theo Epstein Jed Hoyer panel. He went up there and he said, I don't know how much you can tell me about the luxury tax, but I'm going to try. And he asked if the luxury tax is a factor in their lack of offseason moves. And Theo obviously wasn't going to be able to really – he wants to be transparent. We, we just talked about that. But he said there's some areas we can't be fully transparent, payroll, budget. But he acknowledged, and I think for me this is the first time I've seen it, he said – the luxury tax is a factor where those penalties are an issue. And he also mentioned these three uh, masters the Cubs are trying to serve. Long-term payroll flexibility, long-term success of the Cubs, and winning in 2020. You can't serve all three of those masters, as Theo said. In my mind, that, that spoke to me that a trade has to happen. Something has to happen because of those three, what's the most likely? Okay, you can win in 2020, but would you rather win in 2020 and go off a cliff after 21 when all those core players go off the books? Or would you rather maybe take a step back, and I know you've talked about this, and A, clear some payroll, B, acquire some assets for the long term? And him kind of saying that you can't serve all three of those, to me, that indicates something, and he said, hang with us before opening day, something could happen. Yeah, I thought if they were going to push their chips in the middle and say, you know what, we're not going to worry about long-term flexibility, long-term success. We're trying to win the World Series right now. Well, then they would have loaded up. There would be bullpen arms they had re-signed. There would be some type of an impactful starting pitcher that they added to the mix. Instead, it's been nothing. Zero. They have not spent $1 in guaranteed money this season. Now, I do believe before one pitch is thrown in baseball 2020, I think Javi Baez has an extension. I will be stunned if they don't get an extension done with at least him. But I also believe that the Chris Bryant grievance, until it's decided, it really ties their hands because you don't know what you're trading. Yeah, this is like kind of a a lot of bad things 
coming together at once. The last few off-seasons, free agent market's been very slow. This year, it changed, and everyone was starting to sign early on in the winter meetings. And for the Cubs, this would have been the off-season where if they could have got this grievance settled sooner, and obviously they're not in control of it, if that was settled sooner, maybe Chris Bryant's traded sooner, and they could have dipped their toes in the free agent market in a year where it was active early on. Instead, the grievance isn't settled. It's been months. I think you broke it in October that they were finally meeting to get the ball rolling. And because of this, a lot of those guys have come off the board, even maybe a low-key you know, depth outfielder, uh, a valuable reliever, something small that wouldn't have just cost a, a split deal or a minor league deal. They've kind of missed out on a lot of those guys now, and it makes you wonder what can they do at this point on that market. You know, I, I look at the team, and there's a lot of holes. Who's your leadoff guy? David Ross talked openly at the convention. Yeah, we got to figure that out. And I think Theo and Jed wildly underestimated the importance of who hits at the top of the lineup. Right after 16, when Dexter left, I remember interviewing both those guys, and they both said, yeah, it might be a little overrated on who your leadoff guy is. Well, we know what it did to Schwarber. He ended up back in the minors. Rizzo is more of a run producer, and that's where he wants to be. He may be your best option at the top of the lineup. Do you trust a guy like Nico Horner from opening day on who has played three weeks in the big leagues? Yeah, Matt Dory, he, he's involved with the Cubs farm system on Sunday. He said, if there's any, a fan asks, is there anybody we should look out for that could be that option? Because fans have taken notice, and I've said the same thing since 16. Letting Fowler go, you weren't going to pay him that contract that St. Louis gave him. Biggest oversight, in my mind, was letting that guy go without a true contingency plan. So Matt Dory was saying, of all the guys that you kind of would know about, Nico Horner could be that guy. But, as you were saying, there's that caveat of, is he going to be ready by opening day? He came up for a 20-game cup of coffee last year and looked good, but people are going to adjust to him on the big league level in pitching. So he, had, he looks good. He has the intangibles. He makes contact, walks, doesn't strike out. But how is that going to you know, go right away? Is he going to be able to keep that going right away and battle those adjustments he's going to have to make from people adjusting to him? The other thing that's interesting is we've laid out a case on how the Cubs could acquire Nolan Arenado. Once the Chris Bryant grievance is decided, you could move Chris Bryant and his $18.6 million salary to pick the team, Atlanta, Arizona, whoever it may be, restock with some nearly major league ready starting pitching, perhaps an outfielder, a center fielder they desperately need, then go to Colorado and say, we'll take Nolan Arenado off your hands and his $235 million guaranteed. You take Jason Hayward and his $96 million left, and for the deal, we'll give you Wilson Contreras. But that means the Cubs have to get a backup veteran catcher to work with Victor Caratini. Hayward has to waive a no-trade clause to be able to be traded to Colorado, and Colorado has to be willing to part with Nolan Arenado, which sounded like last night Arenado's not all in on staying there. No, that's, as you said, that a lot would have to happen there, but the more this Arenado saga drags on, the more it's clear he's not happy, and Every time I've seen the Cubs mention, you know, from reputable MLB insiders like Jeff Passan saying the Cubs have been inquiring, whether that's serious levels or lower, I'm shocked by it because it's just like, how would they make that work? But the more the saga drags on, he's clearly unhappy there. He told MLB.com last night there's more to it than just, you know, what you see on the surface. Who that, It's something out there that until they settle it, that – would be a dream scenario for the Cubs. Yeah, if you could move the 20-whatever million, 23 million, I believe, AAV average annual value on Hayward, the 18.6 on Chris Bryant, 
the 5.6 on Wilson Contreras. If all that came off the books, you were getting young, cost-controlled minor league pitching in a Bryant deal and perhaps an outfielder, and then you took the $30 million of Nolan Arenado per year, you're cutting payroll and actually maybe having a better team. It checks both boxes. You know, they want to contend in 2020. You lose Bryant in that scenario, but you gain – Chris Bryant's a great player, but Nolan Arenado to me has shown more. And granted, his road numbers away from Coors Field aren't as good. But Nolan Arenado defensively, he's won a gold glove every year, five-time All-Star. And then, like you said, they get young pitching back from Atlanta, we'll say. Maybe, you know, Ender, Ender Inciarte, he's not someone that jumps off the page, but that's a center field option that maybe you can put him at the top of the order. But obviously there's better center field leadoff options. That would check both boxes for the Cubs, long-term, short-term, and that would be a dream scenario. It just it has to get to that point where Colorado, similar to the, Mar- the Marlins with Stanton, when they had to trade him to the Yankees, their hands got to be forced where it's clear the guy's going to be unhappy and that they have to make a move at all costs. I don't know if it can get to that point. Yeah, and again, let me make it clear. I love Chris Bryant, but if you can't sign him in two years, you take the eight years of cost certainty that you would have with Nolan Arenado, or seven years, I think, left on that deal. You probably have to guarantee him something for waiving his opt-out after the 2020 season. But I think that it's a no-brainer if you could get Nolan Arenado in a deal and move Bryant Hayward Contreras' money. You might be able to contend in 2020 and get cost certainty. Hey, man, we'll be seeing you at spring training, and uh, we'll see how all this shakes out. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. A couple few weeks going ahead here. Just no more fat and happy, okay? <laughs> All right, that's Tim Stebbins. I'm David Kaplan. This has been another edition of our Cubs Talk podcast brought to you by the great people at Wintrust, home of Cubs Checking. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm-mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.